Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It is communion. It's a communion service. You may have noticed that by now as you came in. Maybe you saw the elements on the table there. And I don't know if you're like me, but communion can evoke a mixture of emotions and thoughts. When I think back of communion, I think of there's this tension between understanding that our Savior endured a brutal death. And there's that solemn sense and there's that sobering reality. And then there's the tension of, but that death and His resurrection has brought us forgiveness and and salvation, and new life, and eternal hope, and joy. And so there's this wrestling of, okay, and I come in, and I see that it's Communion Sunday. What do I feel? Because it's like kind of a funeral, but kind of a party at the same time. And so I think it's right for us, and it's okay to wrestle with that. To be in that space and say, what exactly am I supposed to feel as we celebrate and remember horrible but glorious event? the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, Growing up, I didn't like communion. I'm just going to say that. In fact, I regularly did not participate in communion. And I felt unworthy to participate in communion. One of the reasons why was because this passage that we're going to look at, um, most of it was never even read, let alone explained. It was just a small snippet was given. And I just felt like I was always unworthy. and, And there was this explanation of, Well, if you have sin in your life, then your relationship with God is hindered, and then you should just let it pass by and and not partake. And as a teenager especially, I felt like I always had sin in my life, so I thought, well, I I guess it's better for me to just not do this than to do it maybe in a wrong way. And so often, I would just not participate in communion. And this was my experience. Maybe it's been your experience. This was how it was until I went to Bible college. And finally, I really studied, had this a passage and others really explained to me this idea of what is the Lord's Supper? What is the Lord's Table? What is communion? And so my goal this morning is to try and to do a little bit of that for us. Um, I'm not going to be talking a, a huge amount of time, but I want to look at the passage, like the large bit of the passage, and highlight just a couple key things um, that hopefully will help us not only just understand in our minds a little bit more of what communion is, but then also in bring us to participate more fully in our hearts and in our actions as we celebrate. I'm going to give some brief background of what was going on in the church in Corinth. I'm going to explain about the reality of, of pride at the Lord's table. What's that? What the, there's no room for pride. And then I'm going to talk about that communion is a serious thing, and it's not to be taken lightly, but it is in fact to be taken. And I want us to see this morning that every believer in Jesus, every believer in Jesus is called to examine their own life, but then to celebrate communion with humility and unity and thanksgiving. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to read verse 17 all the way to 34. It's a a long passage, but I think even just by reading it, we're going to help uh, understand a lot about what's going on here. Verse 17 He says, But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, 
And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and we had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Let's pray just really quickly together. Father God, as we look at this passage, as we celebrate communion, I pray, Jesus, that you would be honored. I pray that as a church, we would partake in a worthy manner. Help us to understand your word and apply it this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's start with this kind of background and context of what's going on. I read 17 verses, and it's kind of a lot. But Paul is giving stern corrections, stern warnings to the church in Corinth. Okay, They seem to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. They seem to be taking communion in an improper or even a sinful way. He says even at the start, right, it's actually not good when you come together. It's not for the better, it's for the worse. There's divisions in this church. There's, there's factions. There's, some people are going hungry at communion time while other people are being so indulgent that they're actually getting drunk at church. So you might say, like, what is going on here in Corinth? When was the last time you came to a communion service and there's a bunch of people drunk to the side? Right? This, is, this is an unusual thing. So we need to look at what's going on. I want to give just a little context of the meal that they would have. It's called either the fellowship meal or the love feast. So when they would gather for communion, it was kind of like, the closest thing we have today would be like the modern church potluck. Everybody would bring food if they were able to, and they would celebrate an entire meal, a feast together, and celebrate communion as well. Okay? So it was meant to be a time sharing, sharing food, sharing joy, sharing love, and celebrating in unity as a church. And generally speaking, the wealthier members of the church would bring more food than those who were poor for the purpose of sharing and including them. In fact, some of the poor people might not even be able to afford to bring anything. So the ideal 
is everybody's here. Everybody's having enough to eat and enough to drink. And then communion. Everybody remembering, proclaiming, celebrating the great sacrifice of Jesus together. That's the ideal. But what went wrong? Verse 20 and 21, When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. So the wealthy individuals were either not waiting for the poor people to even show up, they were just eating before they got there, or, which maybe could even be worse, once the poorer people would arrive, they had actually made divisions and sectioned them off and said, well, no, this is actually for us. So imagine being on the poorer side, maybe like the college students come in, and they come in and everybody else is like, no, none for you, sorry. You didn't bring anything, this is our meal. You can't have communion this time. That, that kind of thing. Imagine what that would be like to come in and be like, I can't even, I can't even, I'm not even allowed to partake? What is going on here? So instead of this beautiful fellowship, there's social snobbery at church. Distinctions about social status, wealth, finances, all these things, which is why Paul says this is not the Lord's Supper that you're celebrating. You see, selfish elitism is in complete opposition to the work of the cross. It's, it's, it's like pride and humility are complete opposites. The cross is a reminder that it's sacrificial, selfless, gracious, loving, inclusive, one dying for all. So to have elitism and these divisions and factions is completely the opposite of that thing, which is why in verse 22, Paul simply just says, What? It's as if like, he doesn't know what else to say. What is going on here? How can you be doing this? How can you be so ridiculous? How can you be so arrogant? How can you act in pride when you're celebrating communion? So if you are writing things down this morning, you can write this down. There's no room for pride at the Lord's table. There's no room for pride. There's just no room for it. Because the Corinthians had taken something that was so special, something that was so sacred, something meant to remind us all of our need for a Savior and that God had provided a Savior. And it says, Paul says here that they were actually despising it in verse 22. Despising it through pride and through selfishness. So the church in Corinth needed a reminder of the truth. The reminder is the gospel equalizes and unifies. What I mean is that the message of Jesus puts us all on the same playing field. Okay? All people, all people, no matter how little or how much money you have, all have the same need for salvation and forgiveness from Jesus. Right? So it doesn't matter who's better or wealthier because all of us are poor and dead spiritually. We all have the same need, which is why Paul is so like, what is going on? You guys are actually the same. You, this is meant to unify you. So, again, sometimes growing up, this idea of partaking in an unworthy manner would terrify me, but it seems very clearly one of the ways to partake in an unworthy manner is to allow pride to creep in as a church. So we have to kill pride. Anytime that pride rears its ugly head, we've got to kill it and get rid of it. We can't come in here today 
or any other day and look at anyone else and say, I'm better than you. I deserve to take communion and you don't. Or I give more than you do. Or I serve better than you do. Or you look different. None of that. We can't do that. Because Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus died once for all. So we've got to come in here with humility. Staying low. If each one of us do this, if each one of us individually come with humility and thanksgiving for what Jesus has done, then there will be unity. If everybody is humble and everybody is thankful, then there will be unity. And now in verse 23 to 26, this is the passage that's most often read. This is the one that is often just maybe even tacked on to the end of our service where he talks about this is what Jesus has done. He reminds the, the Corinthians what communion is to be about. It's Jesus saying, do this in remembrance of me. Eat this, drink this, eat the bread, drink the cup in remembrance of me. Why do we do communion? Why do we even do it in the first place? Maybe you're here like, I don't even know what's going on. We do this to remember and proclaim. Remember Jesus. The death that he died and to proclaim that death until he comes again. Every time. That's, that's, that's why we do what we do. It's a tangible way to bring Jesus back into focus. It's a tangible way to ensure that Jesus is central. Not only in our worship services, but in our lives. We can say, wow, I'm physically like holding a piece of bread. I'm physically going to drink some, something from this cup here. It's meant to bring us back into that space to remember and proclaim. And then we hit the dreaded verse, verse 27. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. This is the verse that terrified me growing up. I wish this verse had never been in the Bible growing up. But what we see is that there's a severity to communion. That communion is special, but, it, but, it, but it's sacred. That communion isn't to be taken lightly. But it is to be taken. Communion isn't to be taken lightly, but it is to be taken. Again, this verse and then the section that follows it, these are the ones that prevented me growing up from taking it. Because you look at some of the terms that show up in, in this section of, of, of verses here. You know, unworthy, uh, guilty, um, judgment. Some of you are weak. Some of you are sick. Some of you have died. Like, died? Somebody took communion improperly, and so God disciplined them by killing them. That's serious. Like, that's really, really serious. When is the last time you went to a funeral and somebody said, well, how, how was their last communion experience? It's in here, though. And so this always, it, again, it terrified me. So I just didn't do it. And so if it, if it isn't clear yet, it should be clear by now that communion is serious. But sometimes we can focus so much on the severity of things that we can forget Jesus' own words in verse 24 and 26 when he says, do this. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. See, communion is Jesus' idea. He commands communion. He tells the church, do this, partake, remember me, celebrate me. He wants 
us to do it. The goal is that believers would celebrate, that we would take communion, and that there would be no divisions of pride and, and factions and those types of things, but there would be unity as we do it. Look at verse 28 again. Paul adds to it. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink the cup. Examine, but then eat and drink. The goal is to take it. But see, the Corinthians were taking it in an unworthy manner. They, they weren't even waiting for everyone to get there, it says in verse 33. It's like, you're having this big potluck. It's like, well, too bad, they're late. We're just not... They weren't even waiting and they were full of pride and they were suffering severe consequences as a church. Many of them weak, sick, and have died. So really quickly, some other ways that I think, um, because you're probably asking, what does it really mean to take it in an unworthy manner? Some some reasons. We've obviously seen so far uh, a church acting in pride, thinking you're better than other people. That's an unworthy way to do it. We've seen that. Um, being selfish, having that elitism stuff. I also think it's, you can take it in an unworthy manner by taking it flippantly. Maybe you're not acting in pride, but there's just an irreverence. It's, you, maybe you come in here and it's like, oh, it's communion time, okay, the bread comes or the cup comes, I don't know, eat, drink, and go on. And you didn't even take any moment to think about it. Where it says in 28, examine yourself. And there, maybe there's none of that at all. And it's just like, oh yeah, I just did it. I also think that if you are intentionally living with unconfessed sin in your life, then that's partaking in an unworthy manner. Because he says, examine yourself. First examine yourself to make sure there's no, no pride in the church, right? But then examine yourself. What's going on in my own life, my own heart? Is there something that I'm being arrogant in and not confessing to Jesus? And so as we prepare to take, we're going to take just in a couple minutes here, uh, we're called, each of us, to examine our lives. Now, growing up, I thought this meant if I had any sin in my life, I was unworthy, pass it by. Maybe you feel that way too. You're like, oh man, I've got some sin in my life. My question to you this morning is, where else should you go but to Jesus when you have sin in your life? So before we partake, examine. Say, Jesus, I have this sin in my life. This happened. I need to confess to you. And then He provides mercy and forgiveness. Because guess what? We all have sin in our life. We are all human. Right? 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So maybe last night you sinned. Maybe you watched something you shouldn't have last night. And you came in here and you're like, uh-oh. Or maybe this morning you were driving here. You yelled at your spouse. You yelled at your kids. Or even while I've been talking, your mind's just been wandering into some sinful place. And, uh, oh, whoops, I shouldn't have been thinking about that. And they're like, well, I guess I can't take it anymore. No. Take the time that we're going to give to identify that, to confess that, to cling to Jesus to examine, and then to partake. Because Jesus desires for His church to do this. He says, do this in remembrance of Me. He doesn't want any believer that's currently battling sin to be excluded. He wants 
reconciliation and forgiveness and mercy and joy and celebration to happen. And this is what we're going to try to do today. We're going to celebrate. We're going to remember the death of our Lord. And we're going to proclaim that He died until He comes again. But before we partake, I want us to do something uh, maybe it's a little bit different. I want us to take a few moments to actually just pause and reflect. We're going to have a couple minutes. We're just going to provide for you just to examine your heart. Just to prepare to take communion. Because sometimes we can rush through things so quickly we don't even understand what we're doing or we don't even pause to think about what's happening. So let's not rush this. This is special and serious. It's exciting and somber, right? We're, we're going to have some scripture up on the screen. There's going to be some music playing softly so that you can uh, look at that, you can think on those things as we examine. Um, this reflection time is meant to just draw you closer to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I, I feel like things are really good. I feel like I don't have any unconfessed sin in my life. Then just use that time to just worship Jesus and just thank Him for what He's done. You know, Physically, just look at the cross and just remember. Now, maybe you're here this morning. This, is, this could be a little tricky. And you've sinned against someone else here where they've sinned against you. And there hasn't been a time to reconcile that yet. I'm not, I'm, I'm, to be clear, I'm not talking about maybe there's an accidental word that was spoken that somebody didn't understand, maybe offended you, or, and, and then you're like, oh, now there's this big rift. But I'm talking about like there's something like intentional. Like there, you know there's a rift between you and someone else that needs to be made right. I'm going to say humble yourselves and make it right. If that means you have to get out of your chair even, find that person quietly, extend forgiveness, ask for forgiveness, quickly pray together, don't let pride well up. Let humility come forward and, 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 and do that. And then, and, then, and then partake together. That could be a little bit weird. But it's better to feel a little bit weird for a moment and then have the assurance and joy of, of taking communion than to just say, oh, well, I'm just not going to take it today. Let's not let things, bitterness, fester or anything. The last thing I'm going to say is if you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus for salvation, we're going to invite you to trust in Jesus for salvation. We want you to do that. Um, we invite you to observe what's going on here. We invite you to take time to reflect on this idea that we've been singing about, this idea that, that, that Jesus came and died for your sins. We invite you to observe this celebration. But we will ask for you to observe but not, not participate. Um, Jesus has instituted this for those who, who love, follow, and trust Him. If you want to love and follow and trust Him, we'd love to talk to you about that and encourage you to do so. Um, but it's best for you to just to not partake in this today and you just let it pass by. So I'm going to come back up just in a few minutes. I'll lead us in a closing prayer. Then we're going to sing another song together. And then Pastor Garth will, will lead us in the actual um, communion time as we distribute the elements. So let's just take a few minutes and reflect and examine our lives.
Father God, we, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to take time to really reflect, to really focus in on you. Jesus, we thank you. You went to the cross for us. You endured. You paid the price. You took our place. You made a way for us to be saved, to be forgiven, to be set free. We thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would help us to grow in our love and our appreciation and worship of you and in our love for one another. Help us always to be doing our best with your strength to, to kill pride in our own lives and to pursue humility and unity and thanksgiving. We thank you for the cross. Thank you for what it represents. Thank you that it's empty. Thank you that you are alive, that you're ruling and reigning and you're coming again. One day we will be with you forever in true, perfect unity. Thank you that we have a sure hope. In Jesus' name, amen.